welcome i was starting like this although i'm pretty sure there are new listeners like what is this who's this welcome hi Who are this you? what did you do and i'm d and i'm charnel and it's been so i'm long. coming in like this because it's been so long i don't even know what to do anymore it's it's been so long hello guys it's been a long time we shouldn't have left, left you, you. without something, something. dope beat to step two yeah that's right without dope that's the lyric I Without dope it, beats to step two. I think, I step think, two. Yeah, that works. That, that's it. That if it doesn't so. work, she's five two or fine two. Who knows? <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Wow. This yeah. is like catharsis. Is yeah. that what that feels like? That's uh, a good word. Sure. This feels good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're here. Yeah. Sorry we didn't that, we didn't leave you. We had we had problems. <laughs> like life, life issues. problems. Life like, issues. Life was imploding for all of us. Um, vacations were happening, mm. holidays, my family life imploded 18 times yeah, did. in December, and then we tried to come back this month. And we had weddings. Weddings. One of my friends was murdered. It became a whole thing. Yeah. And I thought we should take a break when that happened. You right. Guys. And she was, and I was like, no, let's power through. Yeah. He's like, let's power through. And I was like, what's wrong with you? No. We're talking about murder. <laughs> I was like, I think I'll be all right. Let's do it. So but, that's um, my fault. Sorry. That's it's my fault. Uh, but I uh, no, it was definitely necessary to heal some and to grieve some. Um, so shout out to everyone who hung out with us. Yes. Um, and kept up with us and people who sent me ve- uh, the very kind and nice messages. Yes. Um, you know, wishing me you know well and sending your condolences. I really do appreciate that. Uh, people who sent their good vibes while I was dealing with a lot with family. Right. Um, who liked our cute wedding photos together, I feel like. Can't wait for myself to get married in 10 years. Cute wedding photos? You always love to post the pictures of you looking cute and me looking like... like I was just like to say, the picture that we used for your wedding, um, I took that. And yeah, was well, a yeah. Photo of you. But the picture of you and I from my sister's wedding. Because we only took three. Is it, that's the best one. And something had to go up. Either way... Thank you for listening and hanging out with us, going back and re-listening to old things. Right. Um, also, shout out to Netflix. Yeah, I guess uh, so. <laughs> I mean, like, so I'm assuming that there aren't a lot of podcasts that cover Luca Megagala. There has to be. I don't. I, I feel. Know. I don't know if we like. We can't possibly. I didn't even do any searches, but I, we can't possibly be the first one that pops up. But I feel like we're the most most, memorable one because most recent. You came with a voice. I kept getting tweets from people saying like, "Oh." This guy's impression of Luca Magnata has me rolling, and I was like, "Is this my legacy? Yeah, it is, is my legacy more is than my legacy, Luca? Like, is that Dean it Coral. forever? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I kind of appreciate it. I, <laughs> it made me for a time when my life was like upside down. It made me feel really good to know that me being stupid was like memorable, was, was joy. Because don't f with cats is really dark. And yeah, oh gosh, right. But our Luca episode is dark, but yeah, filled with some light. Yeah. So if you guys are here because of Don't F With Cats. Welcome. Um, or if you followed a hashtag through Instagram, somebody was liking all of our stuff. Not going to say whose name it was. You know who you are. Yes, we're attractive. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm single, but also not mingling with Pringles yet. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm all the way taken. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> but thank you for double tapping. Keep double tapping. Um, but no, thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you guys for joining us. We are finally, finally back. So let's lead it in. Let's start it. All right. Let's get it started. So before the 1970s and the early 1970s, actually, uh, Miami wasn't anything like we know it to be today. I don't know if you've ever taken a vacation to Miami. Yes, I did. I, um, lo- I love Miami. Yes, as do I. <laughs> for all the right and wrong reasons. But before, it was this really sleepy city full of retirees and beach lovers. Uh, people spent most of their, their uh, days soaking up the sun rays and, you know, inhaling their fair share of marijuana. You know, that's what you did. Pot was huge back then. Um, but slowly and surely, cocaine began to invade southern Florida. And with it, one of the most ruthless and merciless women in recent history. And, you know, she has a few names, doesn't she, Dee? Yeah. We, I mean, we're going to talk about the godmother, the queen of cocaine. The Black Widow, Miss Griselda Blanco, if you're nasty. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit excited. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you more excited that we're just talking about I, like crime again? Or are you just excited to talk I'm, about Griselda Blanco? I'm a little bit excited about the both of it. I'm, I right. miss the crime. But Griselda was... Okay, she was literally awful. Um, she was ruthless uh, to the bone. But at some point, you're like... But you're like kind of like... Venice, <laughs> like go I'm like handle your business women gangsters like i mean she was different she was you know there were a bunch of guy male gangsters um and like kingpin kingpin queenpin yeah but she was a queenpin and yeah. she was responsible for so many murders yeah what is, it was something like 200 mm-hmm. in Colombia, like they were saying and then 40 on u.s soil potentially like, they can't tie her directly, but they are imagining do her through her escapades and illicit activities that she was. Yeah, yeah she was involved. So let's talk about her childhood. Griselda de Blanco. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. What did you do? So, Back at it again with the... Sorry. You good? Back at it again with the white vans. Go. White va- Oh. So, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, Griselda Blanco Restrepo. Did I say that right? We're saying I said I'm not. Oh, let's sidestep real quick. I'm gonna try to say all these. Like I am not good with Spanish accent. You guys know this. With we we tried Juana Barraza, and I was listen. I love that episode, by the way. So yeah, I'm we leaning tried. on you to like. You're supposed to be the our bilingual person here, and you you be putting me like getting my what's one talk about. You be putting me down now. Letting me down. There we go. Oh, well, I'm going to let you down further. Anyways, Rosalba Blanco Restrepo was born in Cartagena, Colombia yes. on February 15, 1943. That is a day after Valentine's Day, and but she was not about the love. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say what I... I mean, ha- not in the love that we would think I of. I mean, she loved she was her all, boys. She was all about uh, physical touch. Yeah. Yeah. Non-discriminate. Yeah. Equal opportunity. Yeah. But not, not about the real love. Not no, that, no. Not that wholesome Jesus love, but just kind of like. Yeah. Omarion, touch love. You know, go ahead. Yeah, anyways, anyway. We got to get this going. So, like I was saying, <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all she was an Aquarius, like my sister, just so you know. Um, Deb's not going to like So ruthless. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I feel like it, it fits. It's fitting. Sure. Um, her father was Luis Carlos Blanco, he was a taxi driver. And her mother was Anna Lucia Restrepo. Um, they say she was a prostitute. And it's very difficult to get the exact story of Miss Griselda Blanco's like childhood. But 
much it was not really desirable like we most of these stories start off with a poor childhood and she's no different um so they didn't have much of a relationship but i really think it was just a one-off um she got pregnant um huh we talk about her father yeah and the mom yeah yeah i mean there are there are accounts saying that her father wasn't it, actually her father; it was her stepfather. And right, like they don't know who, like, yeah. yeah, really, her dad was. But what, what, regardless, she Anna ended up moving to Med, 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 Medellin, yeah, Medellin, yes, in the slums, and she never heard from Lewis again. Um, it was there that the mom began drinking alcohol, became abusive. Um, and prostituting herself to survive. Um, but to make things worse, during this time was the Civil War. So she's growing up in extreme violence. So La violencia. La violencia. Was what it was this, this 10-year Colombian Civil War that was going down. And it really shows you how it kind of leads to her violent behavior later on in her ruthlessness because she's seeing so much violence at home. But not even that. And then on the street. It's been like so normalized. Like I was reading and listening to a bunch of podcasts and documentaries. I did as well. And it was talking about how the kids in the town were so used to like death that they would play games digging holes for bodies. Mm-hmm. I was that is not some, okay. No, like, like that is like I hate like to the, be like very the finality of life shouldn't be something they just so haphazardly Stumble like, hey, it's 10 a.m., guys. You had your breakfast? Well, let's dig 17 holes. We might get 17. Like, that's terrible. I mean, you, you we have, we're kind of blessed in this country, but you got to think about some of these other countries, like third world. Like, yeah. my cousin, like, used to tell me stories about how, how she's walking to school and she sees, like, a dead body right on the street. Like, when you're growing up in a time where there's a lot of violence, this was in Haiti, by the way. She saw that. So when you're growing yeah. up in a time where there's a lot of violence, you're you're often, like, you see that, and you're seeing that at such a young age. So it really shows where she uh, probably had a little bit of a disregard for life. Um, but this uh, civil war in Colombia uh, spanned from 1948 to 1959. Um, my mom was born that year. Huh? So my mom was born that year. Never mind. It was a political war <laughs> where the liberals and conservatives were fighting each other. And like I said, they were used to finding bodies on the playground at this time. Uh, during this, Griselda survived by stealing and pickpocketing. Um, so By any means necessary. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess she was informed of this violence and trained and, you know, used what she saw around her to her advantage because there was a legend that her and her friends kidnapped a kid from a neighborhood. The Rhea, the richer neighborhood. Yeah, for ransom. And when the parents didn't pay, Griselda shot the kid. She was 11. Right. But that's also uh, a story she told to one of her lovers we'll we'll talk about, uh, Charles Cosby. Um, But I'm... I'm tempted to believe there are some stories about Griselda that she let grow right, to be bigger right. because she wanted people wanted to be people afraid of her. And I think that's why it's so hard to hear about her childhood, like what was real or not. I think the more emotional stuff, like the parents and the right. abuse, she kind of left out when she was retelling her story because no one wants to talk about that. No. But the tough girl, I mean, there might be some truth to it. Who knows? But there's some, there are some opportunities where she tries to kind of hold agency for herself. Mm-hmm. So whenever anyone we were talk, we're going to talk about, we're kind of in that space right now where the people were saying that she did sex work to yeah, make money, gonna, and yeah, she I'm would vehemently that. deny that. Right. Where she, but then later on in her life, she would have no problem talking about how she was wheeling and dealing all kinds of bodies for pleasure. So right. it's like 
So she wanted to make sure that you knew she wasn't this person and that she didn't have to have someone pay her for this. Right. But at the same time, holding people at gunpoint to have her them do things to her. So I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But it's the Black Widow. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, like you said, she did turn to prostitutions when she decides to leave her mother. So she left her mother around the age of 14 after really... Um, bad fight with her mom i mean her mom anna grabbed her by her hair began beating her with her fist um she managed to break free and she left like ran out half naked and that's it she never turned back and then she to survive she did what she was informed to do which was prostitution for survival and i absolutely believe this story was true even though she'll try to deny it later on in life like you said i have no doubts that that was true yeah so when you read the stories of Griselda, all the people say that she became her criminal life at a young age, but it's clearly more than that when you look at it. I mean, she straight up had no way to survive, so it made her kind of vulnerable to what happens next in her life. I would agree. You definitely do. Um, and when you when you have relationships like Griselda had, right, the ones that are very loose, mm-hmm. um, not very strong, no really tight bonds you also fall into some other traps too. And so you start connecting with people who seem like good fits, who might not be, right? So right. she ends up meeting at a, at a younger age, around 13, actually. she actually, For the first time, she meets Carlos Trujillo. Trujillo? Joe? Trujillo. 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 Guys, I'm not going to do this. Um, <laughs> who was actually a smuggler. Uh, and he would actually smuggle illegal immigrants into the U.S. So he was a master of faking documents and immigration papers and passports and such like that. So she kind of got connected to the underworld that way and she would actually end up marrying him and they would actually have three kids together right as i'm looking at you you're like what i'm look you know i feel like i got the wrong timeline no it's all good and they would have three sons they'd have dixon uber and osvaldo um and I love, I just love the name Osvaldo a lot. We don't have to stay there too long. But what mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting um, was that it's Carlos who would introduce her to her second husband, Alberto, Alberto Bravo. Bravo, who was a drug trafficker for mm-hmm. one of the cartels in the Medellin cartel. cartel. And, yeah, my, just to also specify about Medellin too is that in nineteen in the nineteen eighties and the early nineties, Time magazine had like deemed it the most dangerous city mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. Like there were trip advisories for US citizens. Like do not go to this place if you plan on living right. because of all the violence that's been inside it because of the cartel. Right. So people were tripping in Medellin and Bravo, Mr. Bravo was one of the people who had a hand in it. And, well, like I said, they did have three kids together. Mm-hmm. Um, and she loved her boys. Oh, she loves her I think oh, if you're going to look at kids. anything, um, any love that she may have that's, like, real is for her boys. Well, yeah, that's the only kind of intimacy that's safe for her. Yeah. Um, her Because her kids were not only just, and we'll talk about this, too, mm-hmm. they were just as kind of insulated and poorly educated as she was right and so they all they knew was all that Griselda knew and so it was easy for them to fall in line because this kind of wild you know dark-sided dark-sided I'm a god warrior uh life was all they knew and if that's what mama does and if we trust mama and mama trusts us it's easy to be codependent and so for for them and her that was great 
Um, but as far as her and Carlos were concerned, um, that marriage didn't last no. at all. And apparently, you know, Carlos would die of cirrhosis, but... People say... <laughs> quote, unquote, cirrhosis. Yeah. People say that she poisoned him. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but Possible. I think that's another rumor that she kind of let build up and go because she wanted people to believe that she was this merciless monster of a woman and shouldn't be messed with. Right. Her next relationship with the guy she ends up marrying, though, um, Mr. Bravo, that was, I feel like, the more tempestuous relationship. Come on, uh, big words. <laughs> What's that an SAT words? Why use a $5 word when you got a $10 one? Put it on the table. Let me see what you got. Uh, because... I mean, they were just all over the place to me, and how that ended too was crazy. It's one of my favorite stories oh, of her life. Like, uh, so she meets Arthur Bravo, and I think she really. Um, it was it was, was a marriage, but uh, Alberto Bravo. That's the Ar- <laughs> damn. Yeah. So she meets Alberto Bravo, and it was a marriage, but I feel like it was more of a business partnership because they she's starting to learn the trade a little bit of cocaine. So um, you, you think this was just, you think this was a means to an end for her? This wasn't like a, let's really be in love? As absolutely. A, I can with, get something out okay, of this. Okay, so with Trujillo, I'm assuming that she was just kind of a mule. That's how yeah. most women start out in the drug business, as a mule. But with Arthur... Can you define what a mule is for people who the, don't know what that is? <laughs> okay. <laughs> a mule is somebody who transports drugs from country to countries. Usually they use older adults or you know women less suspicious um and they will hide the drugs in different orifices like you know swallow it it, the drugs in a balloon and then Mm -hmm. we'll have to um poop it later i was just looking for a a ladylike word to say like (laughs) Like, i don't know what the word would be i don't know what the proper word for poop it out excavate means you're gonna go pass the drugs out and then that's how they would typically transport it to um other countries um, yeah. Don't try it. They usually have like machines to detect well, now, those things now. Right. So, like this is just, the 70s. just letting you know. So in the seventies, we because when we think of drug running now, we think like these really complex operations. In the seventies, they were they were very complex and complicated mm-hmm. systems, mm-hmm. Uh, mostly through like shipping and things like that. The logistics was really difficult, but getting them through airports and stuff was not as hard as it is now. Because right. there was the, there wasn't all oh, this technology and things like that. They had drug sniffing dogs sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's the seventies, y'all. Right. We know what went down in the seventies. I mean, anything and the seventies, especially in Miami. So this is what they they were going from Colombia um, to Miami, uh, transporting these drugs. Um, and at that time, because Miami was such a quiet place, an inconspicuous place, no one was really checking for that stuff either. Right. And then when they did, like when anytime a new drug takes hold of a community, it is sweeping, and people are un- usually ill-equipped to deal with it. Um, and so when people finally do get a handle on it, they've already kind of started consuming uh, people in certain places, like power, like cops, judges, uh, people like doctors, people you know anything that you could get your hands on, you know. Um, but for their first stop, actually wasn't Miami; it was, was the New Big York. Apple. Yeah, that's true. Where um, Alberto and Griselda moved to Queens, mm-hmm. which they do it. This is where the nanny went. Um, <laughs> and their business boomed because they were going to use their Colombian connections to right. really provide New York City with the freshest and purest cocaine it's ever seen, typically. Right. Um, and that direct line to that uh, that fine white powder, more of a crystal, 
stylized powder, um, took a lot of business away from the mafia there. Right. Right. They were like really the first right. heavy hitters of Colombian descent to drop in New York. And I'm sure the mafia was not happy they about that. They were not happy about that. But I also wouldn't want to square up with the Grizzly. I was like, the block got hot. <laughs> right. Essentially. Mafia movies don't do it for me. But um, I just I would like to imagine what that what those conversations must have been like in the in the restaurants. It's like who this woman, who this woman coming here telling them like like I don't know if that's offensive right now, but I just, I just want to like they're like who's these Colombians in here and didn't did they go to war? Like I would anyway. It's probably documentaries. I don't think it I, got that, that deep. No, I'm like the documentaries I watched didn't, but I'm sure there are documentaries <laughs> about the Colombian drug trade coming to New York City and like. The mafia families. I'm I'm bantering. Whatever. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> um, it was actually around this time she actually met like when her time in New York, she met a a famous kingpin drug lawyer, Mr. Pablo Escobar. So, yeah. fun fact, it was her time at New York. Now she actually met Escobar, but it wasn't going to be her first interaction with Pablo. No, not at all. But he was also part of the Medellin cartel. Cartel. So, so she's. I'm sure they, they they're gonna butt heads later on in in her life, but also at the same time she's building street cred and all that fun stuff. And we talked a little bit about drug mules, and I would like to talk about this because she actually created some of the most ingenious ways, the most creative ways. Um, she did to, an efficient and she was an way. innovative drug lord. Let me tell she, you, she could have been an engineer. We have this conversation all the time. You could have been something else. I mean, you wouldn't have been as rich, possibly. <laughs> but, but so what she did is she started working with a lingerie shop where they made specifically customized pieces that would have secret compartments to hide drugs in. So we're talking like bras, corsets with like hidden pockets pockets to filler portions Mm -hmm. and they would fill them with cocaine and so they had these young women taking trains and planes and automobiles name like love that movie um and things hidden in their underwear and so these women would just be looking thick but the truth is they were not thick they were it was the nose candy filled with cocaine yeah cocaine queen come on that that nose sugar but again the block got hot and the dea kind of got on her trail a little bit um, and in 1975, the authorities intercepted um, about 150 kilos of cocaine. Yeah. So a of, that's a lot of, just so you guys know, that's a lot of cocaine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know what a kilo is, but I can't tell you. But I know it's a lot. So she had the indictment on... Uh, well, I dra- feel like we should take a step back for one minute, though. Mm-hmm. Talk about what it, like all the fun stuff that happened with it. Okay, go ahead. Right. Only because it makes me happy. Okay, go ahead. Um... As far as Griselda, because we talk about feminism earlier, mm-hmm. um, is that she was not the focus of all the investigations at first, right? Because no one thinks a woman, right? No yeah. one thinks a woman is running. So when they, I was reading these oh, these scholarly things that some other podcaster had put in their show notes, and there's a lot of big words from professors from like NYU and stuff, and I was like, ooh, I get it. Let's simplify it. And basically, what it boils down to is that they're all the the mercilessness and the ruthlessness and the crassness that comes along with being a drug trafficker are things that are not equated to women, right? Women are soft and they are muling and they are sweet and compassionate. They can't possibly be these murderous monsters of people that are willing to put strangers in harm way, uh, harm's way to get things done. And so once they realized 
that it was not just Alberto Bravo and Co. It was Alberto and Griselda, if not Griselda and then Alberto. Then they started really starting to build a case with her. And they actually, the DEA's um, investigation into them was called Operation Banshee. And mostly because I think there were so many women involved in this investigation and it was unheard of. Right? They could have picked a better mystical or mythical creature that's, I mean, a banshee is a screeching spirit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, I don't know what a banshee is. So, like, I, uh, I was listening to Fruit Loops. Shout out to Fruit Loops podcast, um, and they were talking about how it could, well, they could have said siren, could have called them like Operation Siren, but sure. a siren is the same thing. A siren is just a wailing, singing spirit. <laughs> well, anyway, sorry guys. <laughs> well, anyways, with that, like I said, the block did get hot. She got caught with one fifty kilos of cocaine. And then her and 30 more of her partners were indicted with federal drug charges. But she left. She She was was out, son. She She was not about to get caught. Um, So she fled to Columbia again. She said, stay in New York for what? (laughs) Not like this concrete jungle. I mean, at that time, they didn't like track people when they indict them. Like, no, they could just leave and no one would know. I don't know what it was in the 1970s. No, so the way it works the same kind of the same way now is like you'd be you can be brought up on charges Right, as long as if you something goes to grand uh, to a grand jury and you can be brought up on charges and you not know, that's how they get a lot of racketeering and like organized crime. Is then you see like in the movies they kick in the back room door. I got a warrant for your arrest, you know. So things like that happen all the time when they're massive investigations because they don't want to tip you off. The minute they come, they start knocking on your door every other day, asking you questions about where you've been. You're going to start getting anxious. You're going to start getting nervous. And you're going to start getting ducks in a row, hiding things, destroying things. The safer you feel that you are, the more likely you are to have evidence on hand when they get you. And homegirl just realized that all her friends were getting taken down. And she was like, we got to go. Again, the black got hot. So she went to Columbia. But then she came back to the U.S. settling in Miami. But that's when things kind of went uh, bad with um, Alberto. Yeah, well, they went. They went bad. Yes. Yeah. So, um, there are variations to the story, but it's one of my favorite stories. Let me clarify. I think they went bad before she went to Miami. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it gets bad because, well, yeah. So, like, I love the version of drunk history's telling of this. Oh, specific I love story. the drunk history. <laughs> But it's so funny because Junk History depicts her at this point like really old, and she was only thirty two. So that was I feel like whenever it was Maya Rudolph, right? Yeah, yeah, I feel like whenever she's depicted, like poor Griselda is always depicted as an older woman. But like this happened when she was thirty two. I don't. She was fairly young through she, most of this. She looked like somebody's mama, and they had her. They always have her depicted as a grandmother. But I mean, she wasn't that attractive. Like, that's not that's not what we're debating here. <laughs> what we're deba- like we're, I mean her mugshots weren't that cute. I'm just saying No, I mean mine would be. But like I I'm just saying like not everybody is gonna be So we're still in nineteen seventy five and a lot of things are happening. Paranoia is rising, she's going to Columbia, she's moving to Miami, and now millions of dollars are being taken from this business that her and Alberta Where's my rent? built together. So, I mean, there's a problem. Like, we are working together and all my money's missing. Um, so she went to confront 
her husband about this. In a nightclub parking lot. Real gangster in that's, Miami. That's, I love it. A Colombian nightclub parking lot. You gonna have to tell me where my dinero is, my guy. Um, Run me my money. I don't know what. Uh, I don't think conversation and like communication was a part of their relationship because shortly after that, there was no talk about where's the money. There was a pistol that was brought out. She was like, "Run me my stuff," and, he and was Bravo like, took out his <laughs> Uzi. Like so, like. Did you guys come? Do you, who carries a machine gun? Uh, like apparently, uh, did you have plans? Do you not? Did you, you not realize you did not plans to talk to your wife? You, you have, I mean, that. but you're talking to your business partner. Why do you have a? She brought out a pistol. I feel like that's reasonable. Like you carry a pistol on I feel you like like all the time. Missing the overarching drug empire kingpin thing he just always has an uzi on him. i don't think i don't think he brought it specifically you, you can't hide a uzi like easily in your he, belt he pocket he doesn't have to hide it he's a Stick colombian drug lord i don't think in colombia but he took out his <laughs> uzi and thus ensued a gunfight which right. resulted in alberto dying again with his uzi machine gun and griselda only having a stomach wound Right, so either she, so in her autopsy, you know, spoiler alert, so in her autopsy, <laughs> there are, like, there is a, a bullet wound scar in her, in her on her stomach. Stomach, yeah. Um, but as far as, like, what's supposed to get happened is that, like, she gets an Uzi round to the gut, takes homeboy out, then picks up his Uzi and yeah. sprays down his boys. Yeah, yeah, that's the story. There are other accounts that say it was Pablo Escobar that, not, that gunned down his guys. And then there's like, oh, yeah, I don't like that story. I like this right. one. I like the one where Griselda, I'm going with drunk history. Griselda takes the, the shot to the gut, but also puts one, you know, in him and then she wins. Mm-hmm. I also love that um, there are several accounts that let us know she was wearing ostrich skin boots. And I said, yes, Mary J. Blige. Let us know you're above the knee boots. Cannot stand you. I was like, why do we need to know what type of boots she had on? They're like, you need to get into these. It's like, right now I'm giving you journeys, DSW. All right. Anyway, let's move on. So now she's the top person in this gang. There's no more Bravo. She also gained a new nickname. Which one did she gain at that time? The Black Widow. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's when she first got. Oh, that's when she got the Black Widow? La, 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 voodoo. No. What is that? Mamu? No. De la negra. negra. Ne- la negra. What is widow in Spanish? Why are we doing this? Anyways. <laughs> Have we done this before? Have we ever recorded a podcast before? Because I feel like we are We are, are rusty, but y'all love us anyways. We're here. We're here. That's what matters. <laughs> it's not the God. easiest case to go through. I think we were ready in November. We were. We could have. This was supposed to be. This was this supposed was to drop December, December 4th. <laughs> or something like that. Anyways. Um. So she's in Columbia, she becomes kingpin, and this is where, like, the murders really start to escalate Ooh. as part of her gang. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so now she's sitting on top of this drug empire all by her lonesome. lonesome. Nothing but her nothing but her boys and her kids. And, and her guns. And her, and her guns. And like, she loved her guns. Oh, look, all I need is my God, my family, and my guns. In my drugs. That was her. Because the other problem that Griselda was dealing with too is like it's it's a it's a cliche and I've heard it on every single podcast that I listen to and or at least everyone who banter's on their podcast mm-hmm. talk about how you're not supposed to get high in your own supply. But Griselda was free basing cocaine like nobody's business. Yeah, she started. 
And so it was adding to a little bit of her impulsive behavior mm-hmm. and her irrational uh, and sometimes overly aggressive. Uh, overspending, we, too. That she was living lavishly. We're going to get into that because mm-hmm. she decides a few years later to uh, get on a... No, like, get on a boat. Sorry. Get, get herself back to my... I was like, she's going to get on a boat. And I'm like, no, she's not. Sure enough. Taking herself all the way back to Miami and setting up business because Miami was this sleepy little city. Quiet town. Ready to be overtaken, right? She turned it up. Look, but there's some... I mean, Miami... <sighs> Miami had a lot going on. Mm-hmm. At some point, Columbia was providing 75% or right. three, four, yeah, three, four, 75% of the world's cocaine. Right. And 70% of that was coming through Southern Florida. So they mm-hmm. like Miami was just yeah, happened to be yeah. there right. when cocaine got there. Yeah. Just sorry, Miami. But then if you look at Miami now, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it was a blessing. I'm just saying Miami grew. Yeah, it did. The, it the did. amounts of people that came in. And right. So a lot of things happen. Not saying that cocaine is good. It is not. Do not do drugs, people. It destroys your body. Um, but yeah, so she actually, in 1978, she marries a new man. Yeah. Husband number three. I really feel... I don't even know why she did this. I don't know if you were going to talk about her sexuality around here. She like, was a bisexual. I yeah. Guess that. I mean, I just don't understand husband number three at all. I would just stay single. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. This is that relationship where I throw it away because I don't understand the third husband. You are rich and powerful. <laughs> what do you need him for? And he was he was a bank robber. He wasn't yeah, even like he wasn't even it big wasn't, time, right? No, it wasn't like, like he was another king. This is not no. Beyonce meeting Jay Z. This is like Beyonce decided to work with the guy who was handing out peanuts at her show. You know, you gotta <laughs> you gotta figure out what you really want to do. That's where she began to mess up right there. But her third husband was Dario Sepulveda, um, and she actually uh, the same year, nineteen seventy eight, gave birth to her fourth son. Right. Uh, Michael Corleone, um, Corleone, sorry. Because she, yes, in fact, loved that movie. Right. She used to watch like The, the Godfather, Godfather and things like that with her sons. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the uh, What's that other show that was on The Untouchables or something like that? Um, like the old mafia TV stuff. But she used to watch things like that. She was obsessed. Yeah, she was. And now she's got she's got that title, the Godmother. So she is internalizing. Yeah, she. I mean, she tried to model herself after those uh, Italian mafias. Right. She's like, I'm about to be. I'm about to be iconic. And she sure was. Yeah. So she was living. She was living real good. She was buying expensive. Homegirl had a private jet. Like Griselda was out here. I told you. I told you. She was spending money. There's um when I I wrote it down here on my phone. It's not in my notes. But at some point they were in New York specifically. They were moving one and a half tons of cocaine uh, a week into the United States. Ten million dollars a week. Ten million dollars a week. They're moving. Specifically in New York, this is the amount of this is the money that she was like having. Like, you I gotta think, put that money somewhere, right? I think at her height, she was worth two billion dollars. Like mm-hmm. that was how much. Like yeah. this is the insane amount of cash that she was making uh, from moving all this stuff, and she she was partying like nobody's business. Like drug kingpins from all over were turning up in Miami with Griselda. Um, sex workers were brought in to. To be the company for her guests, let's call it that. Or her. Um, right? But then all, or her. But then the, that's what I'm saying is that 
she would have all this power. And like I said, there's somebody out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. But she's also out there forcing people to engage in sexual activity with her at gunpoint. Yep. Allegedly. Allegedly. But like, at the same time, would you, if Griselda was like, I like you, let's take this to my bed chamber. I don't think I can would say Would you no. say no? She might kill me. You could die that night. <laughs> yeah. You could die that night and say yes. Right. Like there was a, there was a story that she slit someone's throat. And then she was freebasing that night and woke up and said, I didn't want him to rob me. So best solution is to kill him. So that's a story that's floating around too. So like either way, you're, you you're you were deep. walking on thin ice with Griselda. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, what a mess. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, but one of the things that did start to happen though, is that with the rise of drugs entering a city, something else also arises crime rates right so there are like people who let's go for one side so addiction people who don't have the means to to purchase or acquire their addictive substance will go above and beyond to get it typically Mm -hmm. and so that means stepping outside of legality sometimes that's Mm -hmm. stealing that's robbing that's attacking people sometimes killing people for things the murder rate rose exponentially each year and with murder (laughs) rates rising comes police saying hey what's going on and so what actually um ends up happening is that miami turns into a war zone yeah and so this sex the drug war in miami actually started uh july 11th of 1979 with one incident where griselda's hitmen uh killed a a rival drug trafficker yes um at the crown liquor store in dadeland shopping mall Mm -hmm. pop pop Pop, ends up the liquor store employees, rightfully so, take off mm-hmm. and get chased by the hitmen, mm-hmm. right? And they don't they don't get killed by the hitmen. But what was what was really funny and not funny, not ha ha funny, but like ha ha funny, but not ha ha funny, uh, was that they had arrived in this armored van that had happy time complete party supply on the side of it. Not a happy time. And this happy time. Delivery van had quarter inch steel for sides with gun ports cut into the sides of them. And so once the police came on the scene, the assassins abandoned the wagon, the van, I'm sorry, in like in the parking lot and left it completely. And seeing that it's hard to get away, like a lot of times, especially you'll see in like Colombian movies and things like that. Hitmen would shoot from a car and then have to speed away in the car. But things would happen like you'd get stuck behind a truck or there are lights and cross traffic happening. And so Griselda came up with this really awesome, deadly, efficient way of taking out her competition once she realized that, hey, these delivery vans aren't going to be able to get away. These cars are going to get away. And she invents what, D? Drive by motorcycle shootings. Yes. I mean, the skill level to have the one in the back and you got to balance that middle side. But she did, she made that happen. Yeah. So what would happen is that two men would be on a motorcycle. One of them would be having a semi-automatic like machine gun, an Uzi or something like that, or, or like a sawed-off shotgun. And what they would do, they would ride up the road like a regular motorcycle would. And once they had eyes on the target, they would veer towards them. The person in the back would shoot them. Yes. And the motorcycle would... Speed off. Speed off. And because it's a motorcycle, you, you can start through traffic. traffic. You, you can weave through. away. And by yep. the time people realize what's happened, 
you're gone. long gone. Yeah. And so that was like I've seen was in Vice the, City in uh, Grand Theft Auto. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually oh man, I loved Vice City. <laughs> that game, like oh man, got on my nerves. Yeah, so it is. It, it was. I'll tell you what. So that is Griselda, um, being in her again. Her ingenuity. Her ingenuity once again. One thing I do want to talk about, though, is since we're talking about Griselda's hitman, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about Jorge uh, Ayala, which is the last name of the, one of the killers we covered. Um, Robert Ayala from. Oh Ayala. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jorge Rivi Ayala. He was her her go to. He was. If John Wick um, wasn't a drug cartel, I'd imagine this is this is these this is what all the stories around him were that he was ruthless just like Griselda. He didn't care who else got killed in the vicinity as long as someone that he was sent to kill was taken down too. I wonder why she didn't marry him. Well, look, that's probably he probably had somewhat of a <laughs> a conscience, but and like not not really. One, he did because one thing he did not kill. One type of person was children. That was his line. Griselda, Griselda did not had have no that line. line. Yeah, but he had that line, and he would butt heads with her because of it, and she let him live. So that might be because he's so effective. Like, where are you going to find good help these days? Or it could be because of a respect piece. And so Griselda would send Rivi out on these on these uh, on these hits. And so if you didn't pay her on time, or if you slighted her in some kind of way or if she just didn't want to pay you um she'd have you assassinated um anything that you did you'd get killed and so while he was willing to kill for her um it's really important to realize again he had certain he had certain uh convictions but so this is this is what's um this is what's really interesting to me is that at one point Rivi is sent to kill Jesus Castro, which is one of her other hitmen, and for the most for the most vile reason you won't believe this. I tell you, you won't believe this. It's because Jesus Castro kicked her drunk son out of his house. Mm-hmm. Ooh, disrespectful. Kill him, please. Like what? <laughs> and so what? What was really interesting about this story is that Jesus Castro knew all of Rivi's tricks. Like I'm a hitman. I know you. We work together. Right. And so it was really hard for Rivi to find a time where Jesus was kind of relaxed and not and lets his guard down. And so what he ended up having to do was hiding in the back of a van, of a moving van. And he pulled when the moving in pulled up next to Castro's car. He opened fire through the side of the van, and Jesus was actually able to get away. He leaned down in his seat, pushed the gas, and was able to fire away. But what Rivi didn't realize that he didn't miss someone completely is that Johnny Castro, Jesus's two-year-old son, was in the car and got hit twice in the head with bullets, and so. The sad part of this is that Jesus can't go to the police because he's a killer. He's right. a criminal. Then his name is everywhere too. If he goes down, everybody goes down, right? And then there's no safety in jail. She can reach him in jail, and so he ends up putting this his young baby's body in a tub of ice and like mourning all night long, and then leaving it outside of a church with like three roses wrapped in a blanket with his passport for identification, and is forced to kind of go off. And without being able to fully grieve his son, which I thought was heartbreaking. But Griselda is such a heart-wrenching, heartless, 
gutless whatever. She was so pleased that when the she extra, found out that the, the son nut. Like she's like an extra person. Great, but not even an I extra person. More. She was like, "We're even." Yeah, I got how more. is that? How is that? I get- <laughs> how does that correlate with getting kicked out of a house? How's yeah, death? a son kicked you know? out? But for that's like- the type of person that Griselda was. Is right. that it didn't matter as long as she got one. This and it, it it blew my mind. So. Oh, now, man. I mean, maybe her baby daddy husband was like, nah, son, uh, she crazy. Well, Dario thought he was being <laughs> slick. So Dario left for Colombia. The mistake Dario made was taking Michael, you the don't youngest take her son. Kids. That's her baby, That's and her. You, she does not with her baby. So she went off and had basically her husband assassin in Colombia, and then they returned her son to miami so that was the end i mean black widow here's the name well yeah so what happened was she had these two hitmen dressed as policemen walk up to him and gun him down in front of their son five years old at the time Mm -hmm. and then had those same men i mean okay so pause return This is why I said she loved her kids, but like it's when she we were talking about how much she loved her kids. It's like, but she also did not really protect her kids from the violence. Well, because she, she wasn't ex- protected from the violence, right? So that's the she thing, was that- she actually involved them in the violence. I mean, all her sons work for her, and I think don't think we mentioned that. Right, all her sons were part of the gang. There was not Dixon Uber. Yeah, there was not take this money and become a doctor. Like I'm gonna pay for your medical school. No, this was like you're part of this gang too. Well, I think that it's I, a lot of it's because she sees that this is my life, and that that you know this is Dixon Uber's and Osvaldo's life. And, like, you see violence, violence moves you, and it's not a terrible thing. But like, it's there like, this are is... some, you know, gangsters, like, that protect their kids. Like, they don't want their kids to be a part of the life. You're and absolutely right. There are some. Yeah. But it's, in, it's incredibly impossible make. not, it's incredibly difficult, not impossible, but it's incredibly difficult to keep your kids shielded from something that literally, like, orbits it, your life. I mean, I don't think... I mean, I the whole dad dying in front of... I mean, yes. I, no, I'm not I saying that, think, yes, like, it's okay right, that he's, yeah. he watches father But, I mean, killed. even for the oldest ones, like, I don't think she had any attempt with Michael for this being any different. No, Especially because she, exactly. she named him Michael Corleone, whatever. Corleone, yeah. I can't say it. Um, and I've never seen a Godfather movie. We're talking about it later. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen it either, and y'all can drag me for Okay, it. y'all can drag me, too. But so I'm Mafia movies never moved me. They never moved me as well. I, I think I in, saw like, the look, first one. I grew up one. in the hood. My mom was a gangbanger. Like, my, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to look at The Sopranos for me just, to be, feel like I was attached to something. I just never or see it. I don't have to watch to The Wire or Power. Uh, like, yeah, I've no, seen it. My house was rated three times when I was a kid. I've cool, been there. Cool. Like, I haven't <laughs> been there, but also I'm not interested in any of that. Right. I haven't That's seen what I'm saying. The Wire. Like, but if I had to power. watch something, like, it needs to be something, like, real. Like, American Gangster, I thought was sick with Denzel. I like, I thought that was a great story. But or if, if they all looked like that, I'd be into it. Yeah. But I don't know. Some about mafia, like people I sitting. I see with, something with uh, Griselda though. I would see, but did There's you? A, yeah, but both times. Well, wasn't it J Lo once? Yeah, there was one J Lo. There's one with J Lo, and then there was one with Catherine Zeta Jones. Jones. Yeah, I think because they just hire a white woman to play. A lot. Is she white? Catherine Zeta Jones is Welsh. Oh, <laughs> like white, <laughs> like. Welsh. She's just ethnically ambiguous so, like, enough it, to play. 
She's uh, not, though. That's the, to me, she is. I look at Catherine Zeta-Jones, and I'm like, mm-hmm. It's like, that's like if Angelina Jolie showed up to play Charo. I mean... I'd be like, no, thank you. I don't <laughs> care if your eyes are shaped certain ways, or if you have a certain wave or curl to your hair. But she has you're not kind in. of an accent, if I remember Catherine Zeta-Jones talking. Yeah, Welsh, I think. Yeah, I'm sure, but, but that's, that's not, what I'm saying. Nothing like All movie. I'm saying is Hollywood, that's racially ambiguous enough for her to play all minority parts. That's Hollywood. That's the Hollywood thing. I, I mean... I don't know if the word is ambiguous that we're looking for, but... I, Okay, go ahead. Anyway, let's get back to the story, guys, because like, I don't we've been doing this. Feels. Right. <laughs> Welcome back to What right, Did no. You Do? We're rusty. Kristen. I'm not rusty. I'm I just talkative. I am exhausted. Well, we haven't talked Girl, to you guys in such a long time. I know. How you been? <laughs> Shout out to all of you guys. <laughs> We're going to get so many messages. I wish they would stay on top of it. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to let you in a little secret, guys. I wish we could, too. <laughs> I don't. No, there are sometimes I'll catch myself. I'm like, man, I keep doing it, <laughs> and I can't stop, and I'm not editing any of it out. Um, but back to the story. So she gets her son back, yes, um, but everything is starting to kind of catch up mm-hmm. um, with Grisaldo. All these things are going. Killing Dario actually started a conflict with his brother, Paco, mm-hmm. who had some connections, mm-hmm. some underworld-like connections. Um, he was a he was a drug supplier, all this stuff, and Correct. so she was starting to make make the walls close in on herself. Right. I mean, I believe this is around the time she started to have beef with Escobar's gang too, because Escobar rose to fame, or was rising to fame. Right. He was he was gaining a lot of power. Yeah, and so he she started to have beef with his, his crew too. Yeah, and I would say so. What ends up happening actually. Um, is because we know she doesn't like to pay people, right? Not at all. Like she, if this was Visa, she'd be ignoring the phone calls and the voicemails. As I did today. No, I'm kidding. What's this certified letter? I, good thing I can't read that. <laughs> that was Griselda Blanca. And so what ends up doing ends up happening is she ends up killing uh, Marta Saldarriaga Ochoa. Sorry, I butchered that. Um, because she didn't want to pay her the almost two million dollars that she owed her for the drugs that were delivered to her. Um, and so what ends up happening is that authorities find Ochoa's body dumped in a canal. But the problem is that Ochoa was connected to the Medellin cartel. She was a cousin. The Ochoas were another, like the the cartels had, just like the Italian mafia had like families, mm-hmm. cartels did as well. Right. And the Ochoas were some really, were some power brokers um, in, the, in the Medellin cartel and who was attached to none other than... Pablo Escobar, right? Yes. And so Ochoa's father didn't want to kill uh, Griselda, but Ochoa's nephew didn't have that same right. <laughs> energy. He wanted her gone and was pursuing her like heavily. So I'm sorry, not, not Ochoa's nephew. I'm sorry. Alberto Bravo's nephew right. was pursuing her. Um, pretty heavily and was like waiting outside of shopping malls and restaurants for an opportunity to take her out so like all these things were starting to right so her ruthlessness was getting the attention not of only the cops but now other cartels because they were sick and tired of her and then her paranoia is now growing too because Mm -hmm. she's using her stuff um what is it called bazooka edge when she was using that like very 
gross, pure form of cocaine. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, she was, it was a bazooka. She was on edge. She was definitely on edge. And so what ends up happening is that she decides, um, in very unlike Griselda fashion, to cut and run. And so in 1984, when the walls really start closing in, she packs up and runs with her sons to Irvine, California. And she takes up residence in this really nondescript home um, to try to hide out and live a very quiet life. Mm-hmm. While there, she's living this quiet life, the DEA mm-hmm. is still very much on her tail. They're following her. But the bit. problem the DEA kept running into was that they're not the only ones looking into her. The nephew is still... Looking <laughs> has followed her from Miami to California, and so has the pe- has, so has his people, and so as long as there these drug cartel army grunts and things are still patrolling and still looking, it's really hard for the DA to get involved and it not get messy and turn bloody, right? And end up with Griselda dead, possibly, right? But the break happens when Alberto Bravo's nephew gets arrested, so that relents mm-hmm. it. <laughs> And so now that the nephew is out of the picture, the DEA was able to move in mm-hmm. and arrest Blanco. And so I've heard several stories about how it happens. And so apparently uh, the detective gets up there and finds her reading the Bible with a pistol on her nightstand. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Griselda Blanco, put your hands up. And she's like, my name's Betty. I'm not Griselda Blanco. You know, like, there's that story, and then there's a story of there was a shootout, there's a story that she went quietly, like, I don't believe Griselda going quietly for anything. Um, I don't know, but the cop was all into, you know, whatever, the cop that was following this case was very excited. Yeah, Yeah, very excited. Mispronouncing names all day. (laughs) Very excited about capturing her. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but she gets arrested. Isn't there, like, a rumor that he kissed her? Yeah, there's a rumor that, like... Um, there was a there was a quote of how sexist him like saying get your dirty lips. I just want to give her the kiss of the kiss of death or something like that. He they said that he kissed her. It's almost one. biblical, you know. It's like, like you, don't put your lips on me, thank you. You would betray your Lord with a kiss, Judas. Don't put your lips on me, I go thank to you. Meow, ew. Yeah, but she's also goes out of block up. So. But still, don't put your lips on me. <laughs> <laughs> so take us in, girl. Um. She is arrested. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, she's a, two days after her birthday. On a ni- why'd you say it like that? That is. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so happy, she just celebrated. Two days after her birthday on February seventeenth, eighty five, she's arrested. Um, and she's held without bail. I mean, they got her. That's it. Um, after her trial, she was sentenced to more than a decade in jail. Um, but while in prison. Her son is helping her run her cocaine business, so it doesn't stop. No, it doesn't stop. And so Michael, and, Michael does it. My, I mean, my good old Michael Blanco. And so, I mean, the other thing that was going down too, as well, um, when you're thinking about kind of what's happening here, is that she's also being charged and connected to killings. Right. And so it's there's a there's a murder of a couple that happened that Rivy was privy to. Rippy was privy. You just like that Rippy was privy. Um, but also the death of young Johnny Castro, the two-year-old that got shot in the head. And so when Rivy Rivy got taken into custody on his own charges, right? And so they were promising leniency if he rolled on Griselda, which obviously he was doing, right? And so she was actually going, she was ended up overall going to face two, tw- three, sorry, 20-year sentences. Right. 
um, and for all that. And she missed the death penalty because of a phone sex scandal. There was there's phone recordings of of Rivi having phone sex with secretaries in the like literally that is why she missed the death the death penalty. I didn't hear this part of the story. You didn't? No. Literally, that's why she missed what it. What is happening? Because, so like whatever drug cartel God smiled on her that day, <laughs> and she, it, it, I swear, it was the re- most ridiculous thing ever, and it it ruined his credibility. Mm-hmm. Because it just seemed that he was this reckless person right. who obviously had means and was either being coerced into into saying these things, or maybe they just weren't true at all because he lied about the sex scandal, and so she avoided the death penalty and was and was got and was given those twenty uh, life sentences. But due to these crazy loopholes, she wouldn't have to serve all of that. Right. Uh, but it's just so funny. I can't believe you didn't know it. it no, ridiculous. I didn't. Know <laughs> it was I it was no it was so stupid. I I thought it was fake. But it's true. I didn't know that's why she didn't get the. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even think about the death penalty. Oh man, it was so dumb. <laughs> it was so dumb. All right, so I mean, her ending to me was kind of boring. She doesn't have a crazy ending. She dies. Well, she does also. But huh? I wouldn't say she does also link up with. We talked about Charles Cosby earlier. So we feel like we should talk about that a little bit. Wait, what? Charles Cosby, girl, the man who fell in love with her when she was in prison. Get he had read about. So Charles Cosby was a man who had read about uh, Griselda and all her her drug runnings and her empires and all that other fun loving stuff. And he was like, "Oh man, I need me some of that." And so he ends up uh, writing her, and was shocked. Uh, wrote wrote her when she was staying at Dublin Federal Women's Prison, um, and she wrote back, and they corresponded a couple of times, and then they actually ended up meeting, and then they would she would pay off the guards so that they could, um, consummate their relationship in Gross. this multi-purpose room, multi-purpose Ew. visitor room in the prison. Yeah, just all over. And apparently, he was also helping her run her cocaine business still. From the prison. Like, he was, like, essentially being handed this empire, right, by, um, from uh, Griselda. So, it was it was this crazy, crazy thing. Um, but you're right. So, a lot of things start happening in Griselda's life where um, she gets out of jail. She only has to serve actually one-third of the time, the time. That, she, um, that she has to do. So, she ends up getting out of prison in 2004. And gets deported back to Medellin, mm-hmm. Colombia. Yep. And you know, you said her ending isn't that that dramatic, but I it mean, is depending very reflective on the, of her life. Depending on what version of her death, <laughs> the 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 more widely accepted version is one that is almost poetic. On September third, two thousand twelve, um, she just purchased some meat. She brought one hundred fifty dollars worth of meat, which. Hello, that's a lot of meat. Deep freezer life. Right, like like you must have. Um I I I'm, I'm guessing assuming she She still has tons the of life, money, yeah. the lifestyle, yeah, I'm in Medellin. Um so a middle-aged gunman climbed off the back of a motorcycle outside the shop while she was walking, you know, to go home and pulled out a gun and shot uh Griselda two times before calmly walking back to his bike and disappearing into the city. And as you know, 
she started the gun, you know, drive-bys. And essentially, that's what happens to her. Right. This was a, a lone gunman, but she was 69 years old at the time. So it's almost poetic. It's yes. like, it's strange. And so there's a, there's a lot of things that actually ended up going down. After um, her death. Right. Oof, everyone. I mean, so the other <laughs> the other things, too, that's uh, kind of throw in some other uh, pieces of her life. Um, like her son still had to deal with the fallout of her all her stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, like Osvaldo got shot in the leg and yeah. the shoulder by one of Pablo Escobar's men and yeah. ends up bleeding to death. Yeah, they, they... yeah, yeah. So okay. like things like that were like still going down. So all of, all of her stuff was still bleeding over to the rest of her family. I mean, all her boys ended up dying. I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's like due to that lifestyle. That's why I was like, you know, you love your sons, but you also evolve them to the point where they all end up dying. Because of it. Yeah. There's no safety in drug running. No. Don't believe bad boys. Well, no, because everyone always loses when you run drugs and bad boys. Never mind. But that's Griselda Blanco. Yeah. This is what D wanted. This is what she got. <laughs> that was my story. I think I was ready for it in November. Um, but now I'm looking into going into the more, huh, you know. Were you trying to be me? Yeah, I think I need a grizzly. Well, you know, I got this awesome book, the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers, from my coworker, and I need to delve in. Like, I, I was actually gonna ask you to change it because I wanted to read that. You should have just changed it. I don't know. Well, we we were here. Um, we were waiting to do this one. Get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, thanks you guys for listening. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. I- <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Shout out to everyone. Like I said, Lola, thank you so much for for reaching out and checking in on me. She was very kind. Just want to see how you're doing. She's such a she's such a sweetheart. I love her. Uh, Shout out to Kat. You should probably meet her one day. Um. Oh. Ooh. Crap. Yeah. So, um, CrimeCon is in Orlando this year. We're not sure if we like. We're we're gonna try to be there. But I know you live there, Lola. Um, also, a New York meetup is definitely in, in yeah, the... Yeah, you were talking about meetups. Yeah, because I'm going to be in New York February 8th because my friend has a play that he's, like, um, de- what are you, debuting. And so I'm going to be there turning up on, like, off-off-Broadway. Isn't that Sunday? It might be. So whatever the Saturday is, so the 7th, maybe. The I bought seventh, the matinee yeah. ticket, yeah. Um, so 7... So I'll be there if anybody wants to hang out and do things in the city. That's it. Is. I'll I'll plan it up and I'll set a place and we can all just gather and have a good time. Maybe D will come down. Maybe she won't. If y'all show up, I'll come. But I'll be there. Um, <laughs> but where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> I'm so annoyed. He hates me so much because I changed my. And she social- doesn't even know. She has to go look for it. Listen, I got a new place of employment and I just need to keep my stuff secret. So it's D underscore. S online on Instagram and Twitter. That's where you can find me. Uh, and that's it. That's a terrible accent. You can wow. find me on the same places at Charnel B. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, if that's where you are. Um, I don't post much on either of them except Twitter, but find me there. I'm, I'm pretty on, on Instagram. I live on It's where the people are. Uh, um, that's why I'm, I'm there. I'm an Instagram story girl. Take I see that. Um, you guys can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at What Did You Do Pod. Like us on Facebook. Join the crew. Um, it's a lot of fun. So we're gonna keep it rolling. We're gonna yeah, we're back. Twenty twenty, baby. This is officially it. It only gets better from here. We're only Thank going you up. For uh, welcoming us patient. back, being patient. 
Uh, we love y'all for real. We love you for real, real. For real, real. Um, so until the next time we speak, keep your uh, hands clean. Yeah, we haven't said that in a while. Sounds good. Bye, guys. Adios. <laughs>